0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. People were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands upon them. The Gospel of the Lord. As always, the two readings dovetail so beautifully. Together, we have in uh, the letter of St. James, uh, the primary response to suffering and difficulty should be prayer, Uh, prayer of petitions, prayers of praise, but also particularly prayers through the sacraments, right? A sacramental life is what St. James is encouraging. And uh, then when we look at the gospel today, We have all of these people who are bringing children, little children, to Jesus that he might touch them, that he might confer upon them his blessing, his healing, his protection. And so what the people are doing are entrusting their children to the care and the protection of Jesus Christ. And obviously this is a delight to his heart. And any hindrance to that, it says he becomes indignant. He becomes indignant. And so what the Lord does is says, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. Because what is happening there is a model for what the Lord desires through the sacramental ministry of the church, but also through the united prayer of the church as a response to suffering, as a response to evil, as a response to persecution. Is that this prayer is what we have recourse to? Because what we see is that the same power that comes forth from the Lord the same power by which he heals, by which he ministers, all of these things that we see happen is given over to the church. The Lord works through his church. He works through his instruments. He works through those he has ordained ministers, but also he works through the prayer of the faithful. When those who who make up the church of Christ, who are truly the children of the heavenly Father, when they unite in prayer, it accomplishes very powerful things. Unfortunately, in our current culture, and for however many decades, um, things have become definitely more active, more busy, and there is less and less recourse to prayer. And I think one of the the most tragic things that has been undermined is the power of prayer. Sometimes it gets uh, put aside as inactivity or as a last resort. You know, prayer is just something that we do when we've given up doing anything else, anything that could bear fruit, but prayer is the first activity. Prayer is the most powerful activity, because prayer is where we take the things that we cannot do and we hand them over to the one who can. Prayer is not inaction, it is the most powerful action. Prayer is the act of faith. Prayer, when we come before the Lord and hand things over to him, is not that we are neglecting them, but we are giving them over to the one who can truly by his power accomplish all things. This is the power of prayer. Recently I was reading again a wonderful a wonderful book. I reread it every now and then. It was recommended by the last uh, two popes, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis, have recommended it, Pope Francis I think twice, Pope Benedict had recommended it once, but it is the book uh, by Robert Benson, and it's a book about uh, the end, right? So I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the end, but I am saying it's, an, it's, it's a beautiful book because what you see in that book is what the popes were encouraging people, the reason that they were encouraging people to read it, was because in uh, Robert Benson writing almost a century ago, what he was doing was writing a, a fictional story about the future, where we see a lot of what he was kind of looking at, we see that present, very, in particular certain types of ideology certain types of political maneuverings certain types of uh, of philosophy and all this all this seems to be present and he could see that rising in the world and he could see its effects especially as it brought then to the forefront a type of atheism that would then govern uh, the world and he said, and what he is projecting is out of this atheism there is an antichrist which comes and again i'm not saying the antichrist is here but i am saying it's an interesting it's an interesting book, right? It's an interesting book because it does, and what the popes were trying to show is that in response to the current the current sufferings and persecutions that we are enduring, what you have is this one principal character throughout the book whose life only increases in prayer. And this character eventually goes on, and he is a priest and he becomes a bishop and then he becomes the pope. And it's a very interesting story because the culmination, and this is a spoiler alert, (laughs) the culmination of what happens is that at the end the Antichrist is there and he has all of the world's military power with him. He has every military power at his beck and call and he has discovered where the Pope has been hiding. And so what he does is he brings in all of this military power to come and eliminate finally this Catholic Church that has stood against war that has stood against um, all of these kind of maneuverings, but which has stood with prayer. Prayer has been the response of the church. And so what he then does is he comes against the Pope and the Pope is having mass and he ends the mass with benediction and with adoration. And then the Pope comes and he starts this Eucharistic procession. And he comes out in this Eucharistic procession to meet all of this military power of the world. And so what happens is as he meets this military power in this Eucharistic procession, as soon as they start singing the tantum ergo, it says, and the glory of this world passed away, (laughs) right? It's the end, it's the end, that's it. And I think that there is something in that. Obviously that's not exactly what will happen, but what he is trying to say as an author, and I think what the popes were trying to encourage, is that response to prayer. And so as we live in a time where war is now increasing, so we should spend more time in prayer. So as the difficulties and trials increase, so should the intensity of our prayer. And we should never undermine the power of that prayer because as we petition the Lord, he is Lord of heaven and earth. He is all powerful. He holds all things in existence. Nothing exists without being held in existence by him. He is God, he is almighty, And so as the church then turns in faith to pray to the Lord, then what happens is we hand over to him the things that we cannot do, which is we pray for conversion of hearts. We pray for peace where war is brewing. We pray for conversion where there is impenitence. This is what the church desires because we don't look simply to this earth, we look also to the kingdom of heaven. We desire that all, like the Lord, come to, like the Lord desires. We desire that all come to know the truth and that they come to the sacraments and that they all become children of the Heavenly Father, that they all enter into the sacramental life of the church, and so that we can all turn to prayer. We look in the early church to the example of St. Paul, the one who persecuted the church, but by the prayers of the church, he is converted and becomes one of her greatest apostles. This is the power of prayer. When Saint Peter was under attack and when he was imprisoned, the church prayed for him, and he was released miraculously by an angel from that jail. What we see in the early church is what we should never forget. The early church trusted in the power of prayer, and we should pray for the same grace and also practice that same same exercise, that we turn first and foremost to prayer in the face of all difficulties, amen.